It is such a pleasure to be with you today. My name is Luke Storer. I'm so thankful to Steve to scheduling to have us come and be with you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm just, Steve's a wonderful man. He is a great leader and a man with a great heart for God. I've learned great things from him. I learned from him uh, about the Valentine's Day outreach to do, to give out roses in our community. And so the last several years, because of Steve's influence in my life in Mullen, we've gone around and given roses out. Specifically, we've targeted the the widows and the single moms and just people who might have felt forgotten. But I wouldn't have ever done that if it wasn't for Steve and him sharing that with me. And, and I love uh, his heart for rural ministry to come way out here to Crawford and settle and and stick it out. That's really a wonderful thing. And we're so thankful for what you're doing for the kingdom of God right here in this part of the world. My name is Luke, and my wife Bethany and I are your Assemblies of God Missionary Associates to Malawi, Africa. Uh, as I mentioned, Mullen, uh, we've been there for the last seven and a half years, uh, serving in that ranching community uh, of 500 people. And last year we were preparing to go to the country of Armenia, and as I shared in Sunday school, that opportunity, uh, we weren't able to go to Armenia, and then our plans changed, and we fell in love with the the need for Bible training in Africa. And so we're going to join a team of missionary educators going to the country of Malawi. So I'm going to invite my family up here and let them introduce themselves. Can you guys come up? Just a second, it might not be on. Is it on the bottom or on the side? There we go. There, try that again. Hi, I'm Debra, I'm eight. Hi, I'm Ezra, I'm six. Hi, I'm Nehemiah, I'm four. He knows. He knows what to say. I'm seven. I'm two. Esther is two months old. All right, and go ahead and you can introduce yourself. I'm Bethany, and I grew up in Minotaur. My parents are Dwight and Nadine Sandoz, and they send greetings. All right, and we're going to have the kids each tell you a fact about Malawi. Lake Malawi is the ninth largest lake in the world. There are lots of zebras in Malawi. There are monkeys in Malawi. There's elephants in Malawi. Elephants in Malawi. All right, and as one more thing, I'm going to have them tell you about the colors on the flag. Oh, actually, it starts here, doesn't it? What's the black for? The black is for the people of Malawi. The red is for the struggle for freedom. The green country, the green is for the green countryside in Malawi. Duh! 
The sun is for hope for the future. So I've got. That's right. And so I've got. If any of the kids want a coloring page, you guys can all hand them out. There we go. There might not be that many kids who want them, but you can each take some. There we go. There you go. Find out if there's any kids that would like to color on a page, and then you guys can go find your seats. When you were a child, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Well, when I was about five years old, we had a missionary at our church. And after the service, we had prayer time. And in that prayer time, I felt God speak to me that he wanted me to be a missionary. So I always knew that when I grew up, I would be a missionary. So when I graduated from high school, I attended Trinity Bible College, and I studied missions. And the summer before my senior year, I went to Malawi for for 10 weeks. And I went there because the women of Nebraska had raised the funds to translate the Fire Bible into Chichewa, the language there. So some of you ladies maybe helped with that project, and if you did, thank you. And a whole group of ladies came from Nebraska and helped give Bibles to pastors that had a Bible they could read in their mother tongue for the first time. It was incredible. So I had no idea that uh, 12 years later, God would be sending our family back. All right. And I was older when I sensed God calling me. The the people who were in Sunday school got to hear that story in depth. Uh, But I always have had a sense that God directs people into their vocation, what it is they're going to do for the rest of their life, whether it's medicine or agriculture or science and technology or teaching or any of those things that God can guide you into those things. And so I was asking God, what do you want me to do? I knew that if if God called you into ministry, the stories I had always heard were really dramatic callings where someone is praying at an altar, maybe at Bible camp or something, and as they're praying, they receive a vision that leads them into ministry, or someone really important and influential comes and prays over them, and they speak a word over them about how you're going to go into ministry, or you're going to be an evangelist or a missionary. And so I was waiting for the heavens to open up and for God to speak to me, Luke, you're called into missions. And God never gave that to me. Instead, God showed me that you can volunteer permissions. And when I first heard that, I thought, what? Do they allow that? Is that okay? But we do see it in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, the prophet hears the voice of God. And God asks, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah volunteers. He says, here am I, Lord. Send me. I want to encourage each of you to have that volunteer spirit in your hearts. It doesn't mean you have to join us in Africa, but having a volunteer spirit says, God, I'm going to do whatever, whatever you prompt me to do, whatever you lay on my heart, I'm going to do it. And it might mean going across town, or it might mean going across the room and picking up a phone and giving someone a call. It might be as simple as asking someone to go hunting with you and then beginning to build a friendship, but have that willing heart that says, 
God, I'm going to go and do whatever you ask me to do. We're going to show you a video that will give you a taste of what Malawi is like. This is Malawi, my home, the warm heart of Africa, home to 18 million people and 26 people groups. The wind of the Holy Spirit is moving here among us. The dream in Malawi is to have a healthy church within walking distance of every person. I am Pastor Emmanuel. I studied at Bible school and then planted this church. All of these people can tell a beautiful story about how God changed them. The gospel has affected everyone. We are eager to tell others how Jesus is the way to God. Lives are changing. Our communities are changing. Everyone should have a church they can walk to. And by God's grace, we have made a good start. So many churches already, but still so many dark places that are not reached. Many more churches are needed. To plant churches, we first need pastors. Many are willing to go and preach, but we cannot send them without ministry training. Reaching the unreached of my country is worth it. Yes, one church can transform a community. I have seen it. So many villages and tribes still need to hear about Jesus. We are thrilled that God has opened the door for us to be your Assemblies of God Missionary Associates to Malawi. So we're going to partner with Missionaries Lance and Mindy Hines, joining the team of missionary educators in Malawi. We'll serve for two years, and we'll pray about giving a lifetime to missions. So why are we excited about Malawi? Because the church in Malawi has such a heart to reach their nation and to reach the world Does anyone know where Malawi is? It's a small landlocked country in Southeast Africa bordering Tanzania, Zambia, and Mozambique. It's about half the size of Nebraska. We'll live in the capital city called Lilongwe. Malawi is a beautiful country with friendly people. It is known as the warm heart of Africa. The Malawi Assemblies of God has a wonderful vision. They want to see a church within walking distance of every person. And they're beginning to do it. They are planting hundreds of churches every year. Good job. But there are still hundreds and thousands of villages who have never heard about Jesus. And there are lost people all across Africa. 240 million people, nearly a third of the population of Africa, 
have yet to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of these people have no access to the gospel. They are part of 867 unreached people groups. They live in cultures where they have no Bible, where they can read about God's love. They have no Christian friend or neighbor to tell him, tell them about his forgiveness. And they have no local church where they can hear about the love of Jesus Christ. They are Muslims, Hindus, and people with tribal religions. But the Malawi Assemblies of God is shining the light of Jesus into the lost world around them. They are preaching the gospel. They are planting churches, and now they are sending their own missionaries into countries like Sudan, Zimbabwe, Swaziland, and India. But they need training. The hope of Africa is trained leaders. The hope of Africa is trained leaders. And that means we need Pentecostal pastors who know the difference between gospel and destructive false teaching. And we want to be part of this work in Africa. We want to teach them. So if someone says to you, Africa, the dark continent, what does that trigger in your heart and mind? Do you think of witch doctors, tribal chiefs, AIDS orphan children, and Muslims? What do you think it would be like to be their neighbor? Do you think of love or hate? Do you think of kindness or violence? Do you think of radical groups who persecute Christians? Or do you think of kind, hospitable people who can be your friends? This question is especially relevant in today's world because Africans are no longer just in Africa. They're here in Nebraska. Lexington and South Sioux City have growing African populations. So how do you view them? Do you realize there are people made in the image of God, loved by God, fully capable of responding to that love and forgiveness? They are reachable. They are loved by God. They only need someone to help them find Jesus, someone who will step out and be their friend, to cross that cultural barrier. And it all begins with a simple hello. Luke is going to come and illustrate God's amazing power to transform a life. I am Paul, servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and a missionary an apostle from Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. God gave his grace to me, the least of all God's people, to preach about the immeasurable riches of Christ to the nations. But I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. At that time, I was known by the name of my birth as Saul. When I was younger, I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of my ancestors. 
Oh, I was very zealous for God. I conformed to the strictest sect of my religion, living as a Pharisee. And then came that Jesus and all of his controversial teaching. After his crucifixion, we thought that would be the end of it. But his disciples began spreading these lies. They claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. I watched as more and more became followers of that Nazarene. And it filled me with such indignation that I became convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did. Breathing out murderous threats against them, I persecuted the followers of this way, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. (coughs) On one of these journeys... I was headed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, as I was nearing the city, I saw a light from heaven. It it was brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Jesus. Was it even possible? The voice continued. Now get up. Go into the city. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. Now the men traveling with me stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they saw no one. I got up from the ground, but when I opened my eyes, I couldn't see anything, for the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And so they led me by the hand into the city. And for three days I was blind. I did not eat Or drink anything. I I just wrestled with all that had been revealed to me. Jesus. Could he really be alive? Is he the Lord? What does all this mean? About this time. God began speaking to a Christ follower. By the name of Ananias. Jesus spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
But Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And so, in astounding obedience, and despite all of his fears, Ananias went to the house where I was staying, and he entered it. And even though he knew of all the harm I had done to the church, and how I had come to imprison and torture those who call on the name of Jesus, he laid his hands on me. And he called me, brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he was praying for me, something like scales fell from my eyes and I could see again. Ananias spoke to me. He said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all peoples of what you have seen and heard. And now, get up, be baptized, calling on his name. Wash your sins away. And so I, Saul, who had despised the name of Jesus, became his disciple. Jesus spoke to me. He said, I have appeared to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to turn them From darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And so, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus. Then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea and then to the Gentiles, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. When I came to Jerusalem, I tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of me, not believing that I really was a disciple. And who could blame them after all the harm I had done? But a dear man by the name of Barnabas came. He took me to the apostles. He told them the story of how I had seen the Lord. How the Lord had appeared to me. And how in Damascus I had preached in his name. Barnabas, such a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. It was Barnabas who found me years later and brought me to Antioch. And together we met with the church 
and taught great numbers of people for a whole year. Since then, by God's grace, I have been a messenger from Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. In fact, it was with Barnabas that I began my first missionary journey. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done by the power of His Spirit. In this way, I have fully proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem, through Asia, Macedonia, Achaia, all the way to Illyricum. And my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where the church has already been started by someone else. As it is written, those who've never seen will believe. And those who've never heard will understand. But now, I have finished my work in these regions. And after all these long years, I am eager to visit Rome. And then I will go on and preach the gospel in Spain. But none of this would be possible if it were not for two brave men. Men who risked their lives in faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit. You see, it was not safe for Ananias and Barnabas to befriend me. For all they knew, I could have been feigning my conversion in an attempt to capture more believers. But they did not let fear keep them from obedience. Considering their lives nothing, they stepped out in faith to obey God. We need more people like Ananias and Barnabas. People who will befriend and encourage the faith of those who are not safe. Yes, even those who would like to see believers stopped or put to death. Because when we love our enemies... And do good to those who persecute us. We are living out the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, may God empower you with the kind of faith to love people like this. May Christ be with you wherever you go. Amen. We believe in the power of God to transform lives. And not just people long ago, people in the Bible. Yeah, God can change them. No, God changes people today. He transforms lives today. And there are those people who you know of that other people have written off. And and sometimes in our own hearts, we wouldn't really say it out loud, but we think, oh, they're never going to change. They're never going to change. They are so far from God, I don't see how it's ever going to change. And God is in the business of taking people like that and transforming their lives. Turning their lives around. Making those who are most opposed to the gospel, who want to see the church destroyed, and becoming, making them into the greatest 
missionaries of the gospel. God still does this today. These people need someone who will befriend them. Someone who will love them right where they're at. Before they change. Before they give their lives over to God. They need to be loved right as they are. Before they change. Because that's how God loves them. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love for us before we even respond to his love. And so we as the, as the church, we are the body of Christ. If Jesus were right here, what would he be doing? He'd be loving the unlovable. He'd be touching the untouchable. He'd be reaching out to those people who are least likely to respond to the gospel. They need someone to love them. Will you be an Ananias or a Barnabas in their life? Will you reach out and love to them? Before you tell them that they need to repent and turn to God, before you hand them a tract that has the four spiritual laws, before you do any of those things, Love them like God loves them. Demonstrate the love of God for them. And then after they know you truly care about them, then they care what you have to say. So I want to challenge you to be a friend like that to someone in this community. There are hundreds of millions of people in Africa who need an Ananias or Barnabas. People who will befriend and encourage the faith of witch doctors tribal chiefs, age-orphaned children, and, and Muslims. And that's why we're leaving the United States and heading to Malawi. We want to be part of what God is doing, of reaching the unreached peoples of the world. We are going to encourage and equip the church. We want to equip Africans with the tools they need to become pastors, church planters, and missionaries. But that's not all. We also want to train the trainers. We hope to multiply our efforts as more and more Africans begin training each other for the work of the ministry. Biblical training is both a critical need and a strategic opportunity in Africa. It's a critical need because there is a crisis of discipleship. There are so many people who are saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, but they don't yet know what it means to follow Jesus. And so they're easily led astray. If someone says, this is what it means to follow Jesus, or this is what it means to follow Jesus. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you should pay me lots of money so that I can pray for you and cast out the demons out of you. Those are the kinds of things that get taught. False teaching, heresy, abuse of power are problems in Africa. And there aren't enough pastors and lay leaders who know the truth to, to help disciple each of these new believers. It is necessary that we conserve the harvest in Malawi. In order to do that, we need people who are trained. The situation in Africa reminds me of the harvest of the parable of the sower. The story where Jesus says, a man went out to sow his seed. And as he cast out his seed, some of it landed on the path. Some of it landed among the thorns and the stones. And some of it landed on good soil. We don't want the message of the gospel to be snatched away 
out of their hearts by Satan like the seed that lands on the path. We don't want it to be choked out by the cares of this world, by the deceitfulness of wealth. We don't want their faith that has started and sprung up growing. We don't want it to be choked out like the seed that falls among the weeds. We don't want the seed to spring up and, and start out great but then wither and die because it has no depth, it has no roots like the seed that falls among the rocks. We want it, the seed, the, the gospel that's been planted across Africa to grow and to yield a harvest 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. And that's what's happening in Africa. If we can conserve the harvest, what will God do? You see, in the last 25 years, across the continent, not just in Malawi, the Assemblies of God has grown from 2 million people to 22 million people in just 25 years. And they tell us that the growth isn't slowing down. It it keeps on going, but we need to conserve the harvest. And so it's both a critical need, but it's also a strategic opportunity for the future. Because these people in Malawi, they are so fervent. They are so sincere. They not only hear the word, they do what it says. They believe that what the Bible says is going to take place. And so they want to go out and preach the gospel. They want to be filled with the Spirit. And they step out in faith and do these things. And so if we can equip Leaders from Africa, what will God do for reaching the unreached in Malawi? For reaching the unreached across the continent? All of those people groups that have never heard of Jesus. What will happen in the next 25 years for reaching the world if we invest today in Malawi? Only God knows the impact that we'll have. But we believe That it is worth it. We believe it's worth leaving the United States, moving to another country, and settling there because it's worth it to invest in the lives of Africans and train them. And so we're going to encourage and equip them. We want to encourage struggling, discouraged pastors and churches. Come alongside them. We want to equip. We want to train. Teach the Bible. Teach theology. To these people, and we want to see God empower them with the Holy Spirit. That God would fill them with His power, and that they would do what no human can do in their own strength. And so we want to be a piece of the puzzle of reaching the unreached in Africa. In order for us to go, we need those who will partner with us. And so if our calling has resonated with your heart, would you partner with our ministry? You can help us. How can you help? First, you can pray. Back at our table, we have pictures of our family. The cards still say Armenia, and they don't have Esther on them yet. But this is our family, and it has our contact information on the back. If you'd pick one of these up, you could stick it somewhere and pray for us. We need people who will lift us up in prayer as we travel and raise our budget, that we would successfully raise that money. Then as we go, that we'd learn the language, we'd learn the culture, and we'd be effective on our ministry. We believe that your prayers matter. That your prayers are powerful and effective. Other couple things to help you as you pray for us. There's flags back there, Malawi flags. You can take one of those if that would be a reminder to pray. 
You could also fill out one of these connect cards. This is a place to put in your information. And it says, hey, I want to stay connected. I want to get your newsletters. I want to find out what's going on. And uh, if you'd like to have that, you can fill that out. Would you pray? Secondly, you can give. We need both monthly financial partners and those who can give one-time gifts. People ask us, when are you going? Uh, We go when we raise our budget. We're at about 60% of our budget. We'd love to see that raised by this November. And you can help as God guides you in giving. And third, I want to challenge you to go. God uses ordinary people, regular people with a volunteer heart that says, Here am I, Lord, send me. And there are opportunities for people to go for 10 days and serve in a country just for a short trip. There's opportunities to give a longer term, a year or two to missions. And there's opportunities to give a lifetime to missions. And even if you don't go across the ocean, you can go. You can go to someone in this community, someone who needs to experience the love of God. I'd like to pray for you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and in this moment I believe that God's going to speak to you. He's going to lay on your heart a person that he wants you to reach out to. He's going to prompt you to take a step, whether it's a phone call, baked bread, an invitation to go to a game or go hunting, whatever it is, I believe God's going to speak to you in this moment. God, thank you so much for your presence in this place, for the way you've spoken to us this morning, challenged our hearts. Help us be willing and able to reach out to the lost around us, here in this community, here in this area. I pray you'd give each person the courage they need to follow through on the step that you've placed in their hearts. Give them the ability to this, this week to follow through with what you're challenging them to do. We ask you to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share with you. God bless you. And church family, we can kind of, or, or you want to stretch your hands where you're at, or if you can come lay your hands on them. Either way, Father, we thank you for willingness to go. We thank you, Father, for this family and their desire to bring honor to your name. We thank you for the gifts that you've given, the, the steps that they've taken. The word of God says the steps of the righteous, they're ordered of you. And Father, I thank you that you've ordained their steps for the moments that are to come. I pray, God, you go before them and you come behind them. Father, I pray over their minds, their hearts, the fullness of your love, the preservation uh, of, of the attempts of the enemy. God, I pray that you would provide miraculously, incredibly for them. Father, for the the communities that will be reached, the pastors that will come, Father, I pray you prepare their hearts. And and just as as Luke said, as he talked about, Father, good seed would be sown in them. Deep roots 
for kingdom harvest in Malawi, Africa. I rejoice in that, Father. I pray over the kids as they, as they process this transition. God, be with them. Help their hearts. Help their minds. And let this just be blessed and anointed of you in Jesus' name. Amen.